Ahoy! Welcome into the Megalerverse, where I, Dan Megler, social worker and life enthusiast, talk to you about mental health issues and pull back the curtain on questions that people have about mental health and how it works. I tell you about the dilemmas that my clients and former clients and whatnot are facing. And uh, you may hear my co-host, silent partner, Mariska, my rescue dog, who um, sits by my side when I'm recording these coughing. She's got a bit of a cough right now, and she has absolutely no respect for the podcast and is not concerned about how the audio quality will be. So my apologies for those of you who heard last episode. The music in the background was a little bit higher than I would have liked, and um, I don't do any editing. So what you hear is just stream of consciousness right off the top of my head. Um, Nothing is altered. It just goes from my brain. I add a little music and then send it out to you. So I apologize for that, but I'm too lazy and tech phobic to get that to be better. So last time I was talking about sex positivity. And if you have questions about that or anything, you can email me at daniel.magler at live.com. And today I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum, talk a little bit about asexuality and how while sex is a good thing, not having sex can also be a good thing. And asexuality is a thing. Uh, If you're not familiar with that term, it just means a person who is lacking, so asexual, a being without, sexual desire and libido. There are also people who are aromantic, meaning they are uh, lacking any desire for romantic partnership. So some people call it like aroace, so aromantic, asexual. Um, There are definitely asexual people who are not aromantic, who want romantic relationships without them. I was talking earlier today with a former client of mine, now pretty much I would consider a friend, uh, but we stay in touch. And she, I'm going to use the pronoun she because that's what she is currently using, despite the fact that I think we were talking today, if she were a little bit older, more comfortable with these gender neutral pronouns and things like that, would maybe be gender non-binary. We were talking and she was asking, am I really asexual? Or could it just be that I've been depressed for so long that my libido is just non-existent because of depression? And my answer was, yeah, that's possible. Anything is possible on the spectrum of realities. All we know for sure is right now at this moment, you have no desire for sexual relationship or romantic relationship. I went on to say I've known a lot of people who have depression, who have romantic desire. And in fact, their romantic desire or non-connection can be a big part of their depression. So I said in her case, I think it's most likely that she is naturally asexual and aromantic. She asked, well, people have been wondering, well, she said, some of my friends ask me, is it because of some sexual trauma or did something happen to me? She said, my mom wants to get me like tested to see if I have you know, some sort of disorder. I said, like, what, a tumor somewhere? Or I don't, I personally am not aware of any test that could indicate why a person was asexual. Many of the people who I have worked with who are asexual or hypersexual have experienced trauma. The vast majority of that being sexual trauma. But when we think about how much sexual trauma is out there, so by most estimates, one in five women will experience sexual trauma before the age of 20. So one in four, or in five people, at least one in six women. So I had a boss at 
high school where I worked and she was big on, she thought everything was sexual trauma. But when you think about those numbers, if you think something might be sexual trauma, it probably is. That being said, sometimes it isn't. Why would we be surprised if we know that most things fall on a spectrum? So if it's a sense of smell, some people have an incredibly intense, powerful sense of smell. There's one woman in England who can smell diseases and whatnot. She can pick it up. I have a virtually no sense of smell. Nature provides us and there's nothing. I didn't have nose trauma. Nothing happened to my olfactory senses that I'm aware of. I just happen to have been born with less of a keen sense of smell. We know that people are born who are highly, have a high libido, not because of anything bad that happened to them. So if we're not surprised that some people have high sex drive, why will we be surprised that some people have little to no sex drive? It's just natural that these things would occur. People should think, well, asexuality, you just haven't met the right person yet. And it's so demeaning to say that to a person, to think that it's just a phase what they're experiencing. And people want to think that because we all tend to project um, ourselves. And I, for example, a bias in my therapy, and I will say this to clients, I believe that we are not meant to go through this world without connection. So I have a bias in favor of what, so when I encounter a client who just says, I just don't really, I'm good on my own. I don't want any connection. I don't want anything, uh, friendships, anything else like that. That concerns me because I have a general bias that people do better, that we are social beings and we are meant to be in connection with others. That being said, some people may be better off with none. So we all have our biases that we bring. And many people bring a bias about happiness that people can't be they, like asexual people, particularly asexual, aromantic people must be incredibly lonely. Some of you may have heard of the incel community, incel meaning involuntarily celibate. And this is known online as a somewhat, it tends to be a group of angry men who spill vitriol about women and how they're like making them feel bad and withholding sex and doing these other things um, to show their dominance and whatnot. And it started not that way. It started as almost kind of a people seeking community of other people who would like to find romantic partnership and connection and haven't been able to find it. Um, so we, we have that, people have that in their mind of, oh, a person who is asexual, aromantic must be lonely. And there's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. That people can without sexual relationships, have wonderful friendships, connection, a community that surrounds them. It was very confusing to me when I was in high school that I had this friend and she was our valedictorian and she was beautiful and smart and just athletic and funny. We studied for tests together and she was dating a friend of mine, but I was shocked when I realized at one point, I am not attracted to this person at all. How could I not have any romantic attraction for a person who was so bright and funny and, you know, just cool. It was the first time as a cis hetero man that I had frankly encountered a woman who I was I found to be attractive that I, that I didn't experience attraction for. That's what felt so normal to me. So to think that there, that can happen and we can have love and respect and connection. And obviously in the course of my life now, as I've gotten older, I have realized that we can, we can have non-romantic love that we can have what uh, 
even a non-romantic crush. It's called a squish, where we we become kind of obsessed with a person. They jokingly, you know, when two men are just really excited about becoming buddies, they'll call it a man crush. And sometimes that this idea, like that, will be what we call a squish, where two people are just they're infatuated with each other, and it doesn't have to be romantic. And asexual, aromantic people can often have this. I have experienced with some of my clients. Um, who are on the spe- autistic spectrum, that some of them don't need any kind of romantic or intimate connection, even the deep friendship. That they, they just they aren't requiring that. But the vast majority of people I've worked with who are on the spectrum, and uh, I can't wait to watch another uh, show that people have encouraged me to watch, which I want to, is Love on the Spectrum, about uh, some people on the spectrum in Australia in their attempts to find romantic partnership. I think most of the people I, as I say, I've worked with, they want that. But a person who, like, so parents of a child, we often envision a life for them. That we, from the time they're born, from the, even when pregnancy is going on, we're we're envisioning, oh, they can grow up to be a dancer, a football player, a president, and then this weird thing happens where they start asserting their own desires and dreams, and it, it takes a it takes a turn. That idea, I remember a coworker who, when her daughter came out to her as a lesbian she grieved because of this idea that her daughter was never going to have the big wedding that she had always envisioned for her. And she said, once I was able to grieve that and let go of my dreams for her, I was able to really embrace who she was and her dream. And ironically, her daughter did have the big wedding, almost exactly like what her mom had envisioned. The only difference being it was two brides. Similarly, we can have this this thought, this feeling, but for people who are, again, asexual, the pressure. And for this client or former client I was talking to today, coming out, her parents were, her mom would be solicitous. Like, are you sure you're not a lesbian or whatnot? Her mom was almost encouraging of this, but she couldn't come out as asexual. It, the, that idea she felt like would be too devastating, that her parents would be convinced that she would be lonely. And that was much more uncomfortable because people don't have a frame of reference and don't understand. I was talking to another uh, asexual student that I have currently, and she was just watching him, one of her favorite YouTube videos, and having people, this guy, talk about, again, this is just natural, like two people, like, like people being wanting to be in a romantic partnership. It's just what nature, and again, his, it's a show about anime and video games. So for her, it was just like a punch in the face of, I know I'm not typical, but I don't need to be reminded when I'm just wanting to relax and unwind and watch something that I'm not typical. One of the most famous asexual stars is Terry Hatcher. If you're not familiar with Terry Hatcher, she starred in Hot for Cleveland and um, Desperate Housewives and a TV show about Superman called Lois and Clark, where she played Lois Lane. And she was known as a sex symbol. In fact, she was on an episode of Seinfeld where Jerry was wondering if her breasts were uh, fake and Elaine stumbled upon them in a steam room. And as she broke up with Jerry or she walked away, she's like, yes, they're real and they're spectacular. Um, so Terry Hatcher, the sex symbol, is asexual. And she felt bad. She was She's not aromantic and she was married for a time. And she said she felt bad for her husband because all these people would be like, oh, wow, you're with Terry Hatcher. And the, the fireworks in the bedroom that they were anticipating were not actually going on. There is definitely a place for asexuality in our understanding of society. And people who are asexual may, some of them may be what we call gray sexual, which is a person who 
can have sexual attraction or romantic attraction just rarely. Like it has to be the exact right person set of circumstances and they might have just a little blip on there. But if you encounter someone who is telling you that they do not have attraction, do not tell them that you just haven't met the right person yet. Celebrate that they can have an awesome time without that. We struggle to think of examples of friendships, connections, loving ones that don't between, particularly between two sexes, that don't require some level of attraction. I was referencing to that former client today, Jerry and Elaine on Seinfeld, that they realized that even though neither of them are asexual, that they, they realized that they weren't a fit for each other romantically, but they still loved each other. And as I was saying earlier, we can have that love. We can have that connection. We can have a full life. I remember reading a biography of the Roosevelts and it's commonly now assumed that Eleanor Roosevelt was a secret lesbian because letters were discovered of her intimate love and connected relationship with a couple of lesbian friends of hers. And the biographer said, I, I see this as there, but I feel like it's reductive to assume that because she had a loving and intimate friendship, that she was automatically actually also a lesbian. It's possible. Anything is possible. But we also have to know what we know about Eleanor Roosevelt is she was not a, a person who probably would have been super comfortable with a lot of sexual touch or things like that. So in her case, it's, it's possible that she just loved these people. And why can't we just accept and see that more often and celebrate that kind of love as opposed to saying something is wrong if some sexual component is missing? There is something wrong with it if it's making you sad. If you are a person who lacks any kind of libido or desire for connection and that's bothering you, then you can work with a therapist to try to see where is that coming from and what's happening here. If it is coming from some kind of trauma, the vast majority, so we know sexual trauma is so rampant, it's, it happens so frequently, but the vast majority of people who experience sexual trauma go on to fully normal sex lives. So just because a person has experienced something doesn't mean it has to stay that way. And we can learn to have joy in any kind of relationship. But we can also learn to accept that like, we don't need libido and sexuality or even romantic interests to have an amazing life. So if you have questions or thoughts about asexuality or anything else, remember to reach out to me at daniel.magleratlive.com. And until we talk again, remember, you can do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't have to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who 
who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.